Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we are talking early cornerback rankings for the 2024 NFL Draft. Because corners are very different players, there's all sorts of different roles that they can play. We're breaking this up into two different lists, slot corners and outside corners. So we're giving you guys more players this episode, and maybe we have this entire series. We'll see. I'm Trevor Sycamore. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers. Joining you guys for another position ranking episode of the show. Today we are doing cornerbacks. And as everybody knows, corners, they come in all different shapes, sizes, and even roles. So just for you guys, because we love you so much, we are going to split up our rankings. We're going to give you our top eight outside cornerbacks for the 2024 NFL Draft, as it stands right now, mid-January. But then we're also going to give you our top four slot corners because it's tough to judge the really obvious slot corners against the outside guys it's really tough to place them one way or the other so we felt like it would be true to the position to split them up a little bit so we're giving you guys a little bit of a bonus 12 total from both of us connor how you feel my friend good man you and i were talking about how much of a grind this was because of the volume of lord when you look at the other positions we've done and these are our middle point rankings and then after the combine we finalize the rankings and we give you guys sometimes 15 to 20 at the position and it gets really crazy. And Trevor, I know you're, you're doing a ton of players this year. I always try to do 300 on the big board. So some of our positional previews could get up to 20 this year, but our other ones, I mean, for edge, we always had, we had 10 wide receivers, 10, some position groups, five wide receivers. We talked about like 25. Guys. Right. <laughs> this one, because you have some guys that are slots, you and I were texting, who do we save for the safety class? You have a ton of outside corners. I actually misread this class. A lot of people, when they've asked me for the last couple months, at least before December, they're like, well, what about the corner class? And I'm like, eh, kind of a drop off. And I think that's the wrong way to phrase it, because last year we were we were spoiled with difference makers. Witherspoon was a, a significant difference maker. I thought Christian Gonzalez was a top 10 player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before that, Sauce and Stingley and McDuffie, who have all had just massive moments right. in the NFL. Yeah. And just because this class might not have a guy like those classes had there's a lot of starters or potential starters in this class at the volume of getting through this class I, i'm not even done i just did enough for this show where i did a, a big baseline and i feel like dude it's just it's wild how many will be drafted in the top 100 yeah there were i, I did i did 22 corners for this right. show and i still didn't even get to some of the guys that I've, I've really liked off of initial watches, I didn't get to Nehemiah Pritchett from Auburn. Yes, yeah, Kalen Carson, my dude from Wake Forest. Yep, who we've, um, we've watched and ranked on big boards and stuff, but not right like, enough for this exercise. Josh Newton, I, I wasn't able to get to him. So it's like there, I will absolutely have over 35, probably 40 total corners when it comes to like slot guys and outside guys. So, um, but these are the players that we know are getting that type of let's say top 100 hype you know top 75 hype the guys that we know have a good chance to go in that top 75 probably the first and second round we're giving you guys a a good look at what these guys come come with uh, their their traits their production all that good stuff and so uh, we'll break it up into those categories to make it a little bit easier for you but we'll start with outside corner i think we should start with outside corners and this is going to be a lot of really really fun conversations because you mentioned, okay, 
I actually thought of this earlier today. I would have Devon Witherspoon over all of the guys that I have watched so far. And I've watched a lot of yeah. the heavy hitters. I would yep. have, I would, I, my grade for Devon Witherspoon was better than all these guys. But I'd have a couple of them at the top right there with Christian Gonzalez. Like I would have yep. Christian Gonzalez in the mix with some of these guys. So to your point, it is a fun class. Who do you have at eight, though? I'm very curious because there's some, some corners. Okay, they're great athletes. Yeah. They need to work on the fundamentals. Some of them, oh, just technically sound, studs, high football IQ, ah, maybe a little bit limited athletically. So I'm curious to go through this, see what your uh, your preference is, your, your, your preferred flavor of, of corner, if you will. So who you got? Who you starting out with? So this one at eight tore me apart. I, I'll start. I'll name who is at nine and ten really quick. I won't get too into them, but they okay. just missed out. Kalen King and Max Melton were my nine and ten outside corner. Okay. And talk about two totally different players, which brings me to eight. A big riser this year. Somebody that he made it on my top 75 big board I released for NBC about two weeks ago. And because he really caught my eye. And he's he's going to be polarizing, but it's Ennis Rakestraw Jr. from Missouri. Okay. Because when you look at him, and let me pull up my notes on him, I always say corner's a fascinating position because it's it's one that, one, I do feel stronger with evaluating. Like, I look at my last five years, and I'm like, I, I feel good when I evaluate corner. I can't say that about every position. Quarterback's really tough. Offensive line could be really tough. But no, we've court, never missed on a prospect. Well, we've never missed on a prospect. Right. But I also think it's a position that it's a 90%, 10% evaluation. What I mean by that is 90% of the time, it's not very exciting to watch. And the 10% of the time, guys are just, there's something different about them, the way they play. Mm -hmm. They might take away the football. They might play with an edge. They might. Rakestraw Jr., even being at number eight, is in the 10%. It's just you watch him play and there's just something different with what he brings to the field. He plays with an edge in everything he's asked to do. And that absolutely starts with even coming up and getting involved in the run game. He, he doesn't care that he's a little bit more of a slender guy. He I'm sure for the combine he can get to 190 because he's probably pretty close to six feet tall. Yeah, but he, he's a skinnier guy out there. Doesn't walk around the field like he is. Um, he's a three-year starter, 2020, 2022, 2023. He tore his ACL in 2021, which is, that's tough. He had a groin injury, um, this year. I believe it was a groin injury this year. So he's had some injury questions, but really light feet, smooth back pedal. He only gave up one touchdown this year. And when you go watch it, it's on a screen. It's like, a, it's like, whatever. It's not really. Yeah. He just happened to basically be like, okay, that's my guy, but there's blockers in front. So exactly. He just gave up the coverage. He gave up five total first downs. There just wasn't big plays against this guy. Yeah. Uh, very consistently. And he has, I rank him as an outside corner in this exercise. He has legitimate inside outside versatility because of the experience as a three-year starter where he can do both for you. Where you get to some of the negatives, how he ends up at number eight. Only one interception his entire college career, despite being a three-year starter. I, mm -hmm. I told you he plays with an edge, and it's really against the run, and it's really through routes, but he's not a, a ball-hawking kind of corner. Right. He, When he gets into recovery or I need to make up ground mode, he just grabs. He just grabs. And yep. there's enough tape that I think that's what it is. Right. Some guys I'm like, yeah, you might be able to coach that. I don't trust his speed or maybe he gets a little more explosive. 
I do worry a little bit about that. I'm beat. Now I got to grab and I'm gay. I gave up a lot of ground. They're just, they're going to call it at the next level. I thought he actually got away with it a lot at the college level. And I think it's going to be a little bit of an issue, especially on in-breaking routes. I just saw him lose ground on in-breaking routes where I was like, maybe he's not comfortable uh, seeing those develop or anticipating those. So the injuries and that uh, you know habit of getting grabby is what concerned me because I have him at eight and I like him and he's a top 75 pick. I think there will be people in this draft, Trevor, that have him as maybe a top 35-ish guy and with the ability, I get it. I, I just also had hit, hit to, uh, had to hit the concern button on a couple key things. Well, there are some people who might have him, you know, that high up there. And um, look, I, I like Greg Shaw Jr. a lot. I, I think that he is a really good football player. So I have him at number six. Okay. So we can talk about him now. That's Obviously, not that not different. Too far on my rankings, but I got him. I got him a little bit higher. I promised people in the comment section that we would do a better job of identifying where these guys went to school and a little bit of background information oh my God. on them. I get into them. It's crazy. I never. We're just. We just. It's it's because we're doing so much of this and we talk about the draft so long. It's just. Yeah, we, it's kind of like bad habit. To us, I, but will, I will change for the better. For the. <laughs> He promises he's going to change, folks. we got to hold him to it. So Missouri outside cornerback, you mentioned. I, I thought he had a really great year, three-year starter. Some more advanced PFF statistics beyond just maybe the, the, the regular coverage stats. In single coverage assignments, he had a 69.5 coverage grade, which isn't the worst. I know people hear like 69.5, which this is kind of a funny conversation given the J.J. Watt stuff that happened with PFF over the last couple of days. I don't think enough people realize that when you get grades in like the seventies, like that's pretty good, especially right. like for a corner, like you're, you're a, a, a seventies grade is generally like you're doing your job well. And, and you're doing more good than bad. Right, and to play the cornerback position. A lot of people like think of seventies and they go, okay, well players in Madden that are seventies are bad. And when I was in school, if I got 70s, that was a C. So that was like also bad. So I think that people have the wrong perception of what grades like that would be. And so I say all that to say 69.5 of a single coverage grade when it's just you versus the dude in front of you, that's pretty good for him. Um, when you get to more, I think, like situational PFF stats, coverage grade versus a clean pocket. So when there's not pressure that forces a, uh, an early throw. 87.4, so really good there. Coverage grade on uh, time to throw above three seconds, so when the quarterback has time to hold the ball a little bit longer, still in the 80s, 82.4. Um, and he had a win above the replacement average over the last two years of 0.16. So what I like a lot about Rake Straw is kind of what you mentioned. He's very patient, love the footwork. I think he's super controlled. I think he can stop and start at any mo moment. He can break on any route. You mentioned that, the long speed, a little bit of concerns with the long speed. I also wrote that down. I also have those concerns with him. But I think that's the reason why he's just not asked to do press coverage a lot. And he does yeah. a lot of his work as like an off coverage, either like quarters or cover three. Sometimes it's just like off man coverage. But a lot of times it's, hey, I'm going to manipulate the space between me and you off the line of scrimmage. And people can sometimes look at that and say, okay, well, he's not good enough to play press man. And I wouldn't go that far. Defense is really a cohesive unit. You know, if your coverage deployment of playing four guys deep, you know, having four deep zones or three deep zones or whatever it is, playing off coverage, not being on the line of scrimmage, 
if that's more advantageous to the rest of your defense, like what's going on in the front, um, what's going on with the safeties, sometimes it's just how you get the most of the guys that you have. And I don't think it's a bad thing like a lot of people believe it is. So with Rakestraw, yeah, you don't want to put him in situations where he's impressed man coverage and you're asking him to flip the hips and run vertically with a guy a lot. But if you let him play off coverage, if you give him that five or six yards, he normally anticipates that pretty well. So even though he might have some long speed concerns, you don't see it as much because he's really savvy with how he plays that off coverage. And he's just a really smart and physical corner. You mentioned what he does as a run defender. Where was it? Uh, let me pull up the run defense grade because it was really good. It was 89.0 run defense grade this this year. I mean, like this dude is a helper when it yeah, comes to bringing down the ball carrier. So you, 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 that goes into the physical toughness, um, the competitive toughness. And so you'd love to see that from a corner. I, I, I like him a lot, even though he's a little bit scheme limited because of what you mentioned, that long speed concern. I just think he's a damn good corner. He's just, he's got the, the footwork is so good. It's so precise. He can go exactly where he wants to go. And even with the lack of ball production this year and some long speed concerns, he is still somebody who I think could be a really nice CB2 in the NFL. I mean, no doubt. I, I'm with you on that. I think, I want to see him stay healthy and find the ball a little more and just be careful with that contact deep into the route phase. So definitely an interesting one. So eight for me, uh, Ennis Rakestraw Jr. from Missouri, six for you. Yep. I'll bounce seven to you then since I kicked this off. Well, I got eight. Now I got eight. Oh, you didn't even do eight. Correct. That'd be uh Correct. that's I think that's what I meant in my brain. I knew we had to go back to you. I just I didn't I don't do the math. Numbers are tough. Um are hard. That's why I talk about scouting cool. prospects instead. <laughs> so I since you since you did it, I'll I'll name my my nine and ten really quick. Ten for me was Jabbar Muhammad from Washington, who I liked his he, did he not go back? Oh, did he go back? I think it. I know he was one of the literally last players in Google. the country, I believe. <laughs> that midnight, eleven fifty nine on Monday. Yeah, he's he's now visiting Texas, and I okay. All right, so yeah. I I was gonna say no, I, a good I, player. I like I like Jabbar Muhammad. I did not like his Oklahoma State tape when he was at Oklahoma State. Better at Washington, still didn't love it. I feel like he's he's got. Speaking of long speed concerns, I think that he definitely has some. But um, so without him, Kalen King would have been my CB10. Okay. And then Chris Abrams Drain would have been my outside CB9. You see him as more of a slot. Though, yeah, I'll right? talk about him during our okay, slot. We'll, combo. we'll get into we'll get yep. into that a little bit later in the show. So all that to say, number eight for me is Georgia cornerback Kamari Lassiter. Junior oh, that's cor- perfect. Is he seven for you? He's seven for me. There we go. You love it when a plane comes you together. You really just love to see it. So Kamar Lasseter, outside cornerback from Georgia. He's made a two-year starter. Six feet tall, 180 pounds. I feel like he's a little bit bigger than that. I feel like they're selling thought, him short. but I thought so, too. And but with that co- Georgia program. Yeah, but colleges don't me. sell guys short, you know? I know. They'd be that stupid. weird. You're right. <laughs> They'd be dumb for he them to do that. One, he does not look 180. No, he doesn't look 180. He doesn't play 180. And and I don't know why he's listed 180 because 180 is the eighth percentile of cornerbacks. Like you're 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 if he's anything above 180, like even if he's one pound above 180, give it to him. Right, it makes a difference. So, anyways, lower weight profile for what we have right now. Very curious to see what that is. 
when it comes to uh, combine time. He was actually a wide receiver prospect um, when he was coming into college from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Funny enough, he was a multi-sport athlete, played football, basketball, baseball, and he ran track. So, I mean, this dude was just playing every single sport under the sun. We talked about this last year, how Pete Carroll at the Combine mentioned, oh, yeah, in our scouting process, we we look up when guys have multi-sport backgrounds. Yep. We love players that are natural athletes. Kamari Laster, natural athlete. Uh, been start, starting for the last two years. He started his sophomore season, and he started what was this junior season this past year. Um, had a quote from Kirby Smart himself about Kamari Laster. He said, quote, he's been committed to excellence his entire life. Comes from a great family background, really tough, hardworking family. Kind of came up through the mud, man. He didn't get anything that was given that anything given to him. Um, was not a super highly recruited guy. I mean, he was a four-star wide receiver, so I don't know about that, Kirby. He made himself into a really good player through work ethic. Uh, he he is somebody who will not be outworked, will not be outcompeted. You love that about this kind of a football player. And that part of it, I definitely agree with when it comes to Kamari last year because he is also somebody who. When he gets in those situations where he's got to make up ground, recover, play in yep. trail, really recover on a guy who's getting vertical on him, sometimes he struggles to do that. His speed is much more build up, and even the top speed's not elite than it is like quick twitch. He's on his horse. He's immediately catching up to him to somebody like we're going to talk about with guys a little bit higher than him on this list. But if you are okay with that, Kamari does a lot of stuff well. I mean, he is just a junior, and he is such a fundamentally sound football player. His eyes are exactly where they need to be. He's got a great feel for zone coverage. Even when guys are behind him, he doesn't have eyes on him, which isn't the case for all these guys that play a lot of off coverage. He's comfortable when he is in press. Um, He's very smart and sound when it comes to run defense, funneling guys back towards where he has help. Although I do think he's a little too conservative sometimes in that regard. Sometimes he'll like purposefully, (laughs) sometimes if a ball carrier is going to the sideline, he'll like purposely just stand very close to the sideline or try to run by him at the sideline and like not even make a tackle on him. So I was like, okay, I want you to, I want you to funnel in the ball carrier, but I I need you to make it attempted to tackle here. So there are some maniac corners against the run in this class. I did not think he was one of them. No, but (laughs) not bad. Not bad. Not a liability. Not bad. Just not like I want to be a play safety. (laughs) He's not going to mess up. I don't know. He's, he's far too conservative in how he approaches it to yeah. mess up. So he's not going to be somebody that's going to try to you know undercut a blocker to try to make a tackle. And then, boom, all of a sudden, the outside angle to the sideline is wide open and this running back's you know, 20, 25 yards down the field. He's not going to do that. But you do want him to be a little bit more aggressive uh, when it comes to that run defense. But he just understands how you win at this position. It's confidence. It's anticipation. It's technique outside of maybe some of his physical limitations, he plays this position very, very well. He maximizes the talent that he has. Is that going to be a CB1 level player in the NFL? No, I I don't think it's going to be. I'm very interested to see what he tests like, what he shows up like weight-wise and what he tests like. Number one thing for me. But if, if whatever that is, like I still think even if he tests the way that I think he's going to, a little bit slower, not as explosive with the jumps. 
he can still be a CB2 just because of how reliable he is on your team. You're just probably going to want somebody more athletic for wide receiver ones as your cornerback one on your NFL team. So definitely a future with this dude. But he showed up at eight for me just because it's tough to get over the physical limitations of it. And I got to see what he tests with with the combine. So, yeah, that's why he was seven for me. I think that I liked his floor better than Rake Straw's at eight, but I like Rake Straw's ceiling a lot better than mm-hmm. his. I would, Lassiter, I would agree with that. Lassiter is the king of always being there, but never being able to grab the football. He, I mean, you watched his forcing completions this year. There's not even a lot of lucky ones or situations where he needs to make up five yards and you're like, whoa, I didn't know he had that kind of burst or length. He's just right on the guy, hip to hip every time. Four of them out of the 10 I watched, he doesn't even know the ball is coming there, but he's just in the way because he's right on. And he's not, there's no legal contact. There's no pass interference. He just constantly stays in the hip pocket of of his targets 30 39 completion percentage given up all year dude I mean, that's very good right he's it's very always, good. he is so sticky and i think it's more impressive that i i agree with you Trevor. i don't think he's like very sudden and twitchy and fast and explosive and leaping he's just very smart he sees routes before they develop he gets it he knows spacing as well as anybody probably in the yep. class yep because he has to and i think that kind of is like really under the radar what kirby was indicating at not that when you know he needs to earn everything and it's he has this scrappy reputation I you think- can you can you can kind of read between the lines a little bit though because you do see you see his success and right. kirby's basically saying he worked for it. Like he worked for that success. He's been in the film room. He's been he's been getting to what the coaches have been teaching him because it's not just a similar type of scheme either. Zone, yeah. man, press, off. Like he knows what to do in all of these situations. And that's what yields a, you know, completion percentage allowed as low as the one that he is uh, that he's given out. So I, I even even though again, I think you're going to want a player who can get you more takeaways as your top corner on your NFL team. He's got such a high floor. I mean, he's Kamari Lasser is a CB three at worst in the league at worst. And I think that he could absolutely be a starting CB two on the outside. One last nugget on him before we move to your number seven, because last year was my number seven. His, his passer rating when targeted in 2022, his first year as a full-time starter, 94.4. This year, his second year as a starter, 48.7. He just got so much better with more playing time. Yep. All right. So my number seven. I wonder if this is going to be your number six, because I know you like this guy. Do you want to take a guess? I know who it's going to be for you. He's not six for me, but he's close. So we could talk about him together. Is it TJ so it, Tampa? It is TJ Tampa. Okay. Is he higher for you? Is he five? One spot higher. He's five. <laughs> I love yeah, it. I yeah. think I might be a coward. I'm not going to lie. I, you know, when I when I looked at the rankings and, you know, I, I'm doing these guys individually and I come up with a film grade, you know, I break down what they do. I've got the film notes and then I've got kind of a um, a ranking, a numerical ranking system. And then I'll kind of spit out a film grade for for what I believe with this guy when it's when it comes to the traits of these shows, all that kinds of stuff. It spit it out. And I was like, all right, that's good. I thought I'd be a little bit higher on him, given how much I like this tape. So, you know, you kind of go back, you watch an extra game. I wonder if he's going to end up a little bit higher when it's all said and done for me. So anyways, well, his combine is going to be stupid. I mean, and if it is, 
it's never but, but but i already but i kind of already have that built in right you have to it's you know, part like, of the I, like the, i already have for a dude yeah. who is six foot one 198 he's got a pretty high recovery speed score for me he's got a pretty high agility score for right. me. so the arms like, are going to be really long yeah but like it's, I, yeah. I, I do think that so iowa state corner he's a senior uh they got him listed at six foot two i think he's six foot one probably um, yeah i think he's i think he's more like six foot one but you would believe he's six foot two because when you watch him out there on the field, like you mentioned, he's got pterodactyl arms. He's got super long arms. I don't know if it's going to be as long as Joey Porter Jr.'s wingspan was, but probably not because Joey Porter Jr.'s was like historically big. Insane. But it's going to be that same kind of mold. And normally when you get corners that are bigger and taller, you're sacrificing something, right? A lot of bigger, taller corners have clunkier footwork, they don't flip the hips as fluidly, the agility, the stop and start. That's, you know, it's just, it takes them longer to do. They have more body mass to move. And so it is tougher to do that as fast as some of these smaller corners are. But for Tampa, I mean, he is a all around athlete, used to be a wide receiver, um, was actually, I think he was recruited as a wide receiver. I be- yeah, I believe so too. So he I was, he, he played, he played both sides of the ball in high school, which is hilarious okay. that his name is TJ Tampa. And uh, he's from St. Petersburg, Florida. Anybody who's been to St. Petersburg, Florida knows that it is right next to where Tampa, Florida is. So what I'm saying is this guy's a future, basketball player too, right? I'm future almost- Buccaneer. Great. Yes. Yes. Very good basketball player. Comes from a basketball background. Very good basketball player. Ends up going to uh, Iowa State, and I think he chose Iowa State over Georgia when it was all said and done. But this dude's got some really nice advanced PFF metrics as well. His win above replacement this past season, actually this is from 2022, was .31, which is really high for a corner. I mean, that's one of the higher marks. And then his forced incompletion percentage, you want to talk about a guy who's able to get his hands on the football, get passes broken up, get interceptions. 20.7% 20.7% forced incompletion percentage. That is in the 98th percentile of corners who are in this class and other recently drafted corners as well. So it's not just the guys in this class. It's also the corners who got drafted relatively high who are kind of like sticking around the league. That's kind of the pool that we have it all in when we come up with these percentiles. So really good mark from him there. It, the, uh, the the strengths are pretty obvious from him, right? He's got the long arms. He's got the long legs. He can play in press, but... He doesn't play as much press as you would expect. He's not just this exclusive press man type of corner. Like when people watch Kyrie Jackson, the corner from Oregon, he is, you know, six foot two, 205 pounds, right? It is very similar type of build to what TJ Tampa is, but Jackson is exclusively playing at the line of scrimmage. He's trying to get hands on you. He's trying to be physical with you. Tampa will be physical with you, but a lot of what Iowa State asked him to do actually comes from an off-coverage alignment. And you would think that that would get a bigger corner sort of stuck in a bad spot, but that's when you see him shine. That's when you see, okay, this bigger, longer corner, he can move a little bit here, right? He can turn and run. The flips, the the, the hips are, are fluid, He's able to put his foot in the ground and really go explode, especially when it's downhill and he's got the long speed to be able to keep up with people. So outside of maybe wanting him to be more experienced in press and yeah, okay. The long speed's not as fast as some of the other guys at the top of this list. There's not a lot. He does not do well. And I just feel as though 
he maximizes so much of his physical gifts in the ways that you would expect and in the ways that you don't, particularly in his footwork, how clean his footwork is, how precise it is, how controlled it is. That's what allows him to be a really high impact corner um, with his size and then also being able to play off coverage. So this is somebody that I, I really enjoyed. He's a top 100 lock for sure, but I think yeah. that he is somebody who could certainly go a lot higher than that as well. Yeah, I think with the test thing, he's he's going to lock himself into the second round. I, I think he'll... So he's... I'm pretty positive he's 6'1". I agree with you. He'll be 200 pounds, maybe bigger. I think he's going to jump 40 inches in the vert. And I think oh, he's, you think he's going to hit 40? Yeah. I, I actually would be floored if he didn't. <sighs> and he's going to run really well at that size. Mm -hmm. So that you brought up the press. It was a good sign that there was a jump from 2022. So 153 of his 384 coverage snaps in 2023 were impressed. That was a big jump, but because in 2022, it was like, there wasn't much at all. You're right. So we got a little bit more. I just think the reach allows him to make some pretty rare pass breakups that guys in this class don't make where they're there. And maybe they get in the way or, but his arms just get involved in the catch point where you're like, whoa, I, he was a, not a foot behind the play, but he wasn't on the guy. To, and, to, to your point about Kamari, where some of his past breakups are just him being there, Tampa's are intentional. Like right. Tampa's getting his hand in there to get this pass breakup. So I agree with you. Absolutely. I think the only things I wrote down and, and some negatives is that um, you want to keep seeing that PBU number go up to converted INTs, and it got a lot better this year. In 2022, when I liked him over the summer, I was like, man, he, he just doesn't take away the football a lot. He's just breaking up the ball. Mm -hmm. And this year, I thought it, it got better. I want to see that continue to go up. He lunges as a tackler rather than coming to balance and rapping. I think it's because he's a bigger guy and he's like, I, I could blow this guy up. And there's some, he has some big hits on tape, but he has some big misses on tape. Uh, he missed seven tackles in 2023. And I do think he's, he's a complete the assignment rather than change the game mindset right now. And that's what a lot of these guys are like, he's going to take away his guy rather than take a ton of risk. But with the kind of athlete he is and the kind of build he has, like this is this is what the NFL looks for at corners right now. It's they they almost overdraft them. If you're big, long, can run, and you're smart and tough, you're gonna go early. And TJ Tampa, because of that, is gonna go early. He'll go in the in the second round. So definitely a guy that you we we liked on this show uh, for a bit. I feel as though he is the least talked about corner who deserves to be talked about more. It's if very, that phrase yeah, it's makes weird. sense at all. It makes a ton of sense. I I don't ever hear him in the conversation. Right, I hear like, Mario Lassiter brought up a lot more than him. Right. And that's and that's the thing. Like it, it I'm not even I'm not even talking about at the top with Wiggins and and DeGene. Like I'm not I'm not talking about that. It's uh, Kamari Lassiter's kind of had his time in the draft yeah. space. Like people have talked about him. Quinion Mitchell, who we'll get to, and it's Rakestraw, I think has had his time like popping up, very popular name that we'll see like on social media or draft circles, whatever. Not enough people are talking about TJ Tampa. I I, no. I, I think you're you're obviously even a little bit higher on him than I am, and I might get to exactly where you're at with him because you watch his tape and it's hard to find stuff that you 
would say is like a deal breaker for him because like right. I, I even have written in my notes um, verbatim when I've talked about the long speed, long speed can appear to be an issue at times, but it's plenty adequate and not nearly as bad as you might expect with a player of his size. In fact, it's actually more impressive. So yeah, compared to his peers, you know, like compared to how fast you might need to be to be a successful NFL corner. I don't know. Maybe there are times where he's turning and running and flipping the hips where he's a step or two behind. Normally, with guys who are built like him, they get burned a lot worse than that. So maybe it isn't as bad as as I originally thought. So, so I had him at five. You had him at six, seven, seven, and then I had Ennis Rakestraw at six. Okay. So, so does that bring you? Where are we? <laughs> five for me. Have you named anybody outside of your top five yet? I or- didn't. I didn't name number six. It was Quinion Mitchell. Okay, I have Mitchell. I have Mitchell at five. All right, this is easy then. All right, go ahead. We Tell just, me about Mitchell. So we have flipped Lasseter and Rakestraw and flipped Mitchell and Tampa. That's all the rankings so far. You know, it is funny, though. The, this is – these are the tiers, though, right? Yes. Like, when you break up – honestly, outside – now, I haven't watched Pritchett. I haven't watched Carson. I haven't watched uh, Josh Newton. And those are guys that I want to get to as soon as possible. But – there was a clear ending of the tier of corners after Lasseter for who was 9, 10, 11, 12 for me. So it, it it does make sense that these guys are all in the same bucket. We just might prefer them a little different. Right. So Quinion Mitchell, Toledo, somebody we did talk about over the summer. He Because in 2022, he had five picks and 20 pass breakups, which is insane now let me let me caveat and i've done this before four of those five interceptions were in one game against niu where i think trevor or i were under center just (laughs) lobbing the ball to this man i not to take away from the young fella (laughs) but there is context needed for that four interception game and if you don't know what i'm talking about find a way to watch it the best part about it is that i'm sure you can find it on youtube by the way right the best part about it is the first interception is the one that should have told this quarterback, I'm Don't not throwing way. this way again. Because right. the first interception is one where Mitchell plays a lot of off coverage, right? And so, so there's there, there's basically exclusively. So he's, he's 8 to 10 yards off the line of scrimmage basically every time. So when this NIU wide receiver was getting into his route, it was just a comeback route. Like he was just running a, a very quick curl. It was, I don't know, five yards out. Like, it wasn't really this big pass. But because of all the space that Mitchell gave the wide receiver, the quarterback was like, oh, easy five yards, easy completion. So he drops back, you know, little three-step drop, whatever it was, looks to his left, saw the space pre-snap. He's already into his motion. He's firing that bad boy off. And Mitchell just, it like, way better than he should is kind of what I'm saying here. And that quarterback should have been like, oh, Bad idea. Okay, I don't have the arm strength to challenge this. That dude. was it. He did not have the arm to throw and outside then, the numbers and at then all. He threw, and then he threw three more to Mitchell. It's that it's should have been the moment. It's one of the most ridiculous prospect games I've seen in the last two years. It actually annoyed me this summer when I watched it. I was just like, <laughs> and I, I regret that it did because Mitchell's a really good prospect. 
And, I, uh, I wish I could have told that quarterback, uh, you don't have the facilities for this big right, Exactly. You, know, quote, quote, <laughs> spot on. you got a little too much dip on your chip. Way <laughs> too much dip on the chip for that one. So you nailed it, Trevor. Only 101 of his 1,157 co- coverage snaps from the last three years are impressed. Crazy. He just dude. sits off almost every single play. Now, the good great understanding of routes and how to break on them to play the ball. He just has these plus eyes, plus awareness and plus instincts that he knows when the ball is coming out. He knows where it's going in front of him and how he's going to go try to make a play on it. And he's got good play strength that he can come be a disruptor as well. I mean, this is a guy that's six feet tall, 200 pounds. So the really good play strength, uh, good feel for spacing when Quarterbacks test him on fades and back shoulder balls. He knows how to kind of box out the receiver to take away a lot of room they'd have in bounds. Very competitive at the catch point, no matter where he is on the field. And my favorite thing about him is he improves throughout the game where I didn't get see him get beat the same way twice. I'd see him get beat, and then they try the same thing, and he'd go, no, I learned from that. And I think that's a player with a high IQ and it kind of speaks to that eyes awareness and instincts. There's a lot above the shoulders with Quinion Mitchell mm-hmm. for a player at Toledo where, I mean, obviously under recruited, not a big spotlight. Like a lot of the guys we're talking about today. And I see a lot of pro aspects of his mindset and how he plays. Now, the things I have questions on, I know he's going to run well, but the on-field deep recovery speed, I have questions about. And the way they play him makes me question it even more because this dude's a difference maker. So why don't you have him mix in some press and play tight man at the line and run with these guys and make the quarterback challenge over the top a little bit rather than giving them some of those yards? I think he's I think he's his own corner. And it's funny because for in the system, he graded out well in man. But when I watch him. Everything he does well screams NFL zone corner to me. It's because he graded out well in literally everything. <laughs> yeah, he did. Uh, and then 2023, he dropped two layups that I saw him get in 2022. Where I was like, man, I, I've seen you make plays on those gimmies before. And he dropped them this year. And that's why I only had one interception this year. So I'm curious what you thought of him because I, I know there's some big projections on this guy. I thought you highlighted him well. Um Toledo outside corner, you mentioned, if we didn't mention the measurable, six foot one, 200 pounds. So even though him and TJ Tampa are built very differently, they have sort of the same measurables, which is kind of weird when you kind of like stack them up back to back. A little bit of background on this dude. So he's a three-star athlete recruit, um, got the ATH label out of high school. He's from Florida, Williston, Florida. In high school, he played football, he played basketball, and he ran track. In track, he ran the 100-meter dash in 10.6, which is just freaking flying people. Right. I mean, like, that is stupid speed. In basketball, he played small forward and he played shooting guard. And in football, his senior year, he played corner, but he also played running back, and he averaged 9.5 yards per carry his senior season. I found that out, and I thought, thought that was a that was a great nugget. He was a back-to-back All-American in 2022 and then 2023. This year, he was a first-team All-American for some PFF statistics that will knock your socks off, folks. This dude 
remember i mentioned that if you've got a coverage grade that's like in the 70s that's not too shabby you get a coverage grade in the 80s that's pretty dang good you get an elite coverage grade we're talking about something special no matter how you slice it over the last two years combined Cunyon mitchell's pff stats are crazy in his outside corner coverage role he had a 95.0 coverage grade in single coverage he had a 92.8 coverage grade. When there was a clean pocket and no pressure, 92.5 coverage grade. When the quarterback had more than three seconds to throw the football, 94.8 coverage grade. No corner in the country had more forced incompletions than he did over the last two years, and his forced incompletion percentage of 24.6 is in the 99th percentile. All of that wrapped with a bow that he had a 0 0.61 win above average metric in 2022 that is wild that a top corner would have more than a half a win above average just shows you how good and how impactful this guy has been i i think that you hit the nail on the head he does a lot of work in off coverage but it is how he plays that that makes him so special he is fantastic at knowing exactly what his athleticism is capable of i agree with you he is much more comfortable showing you how much speed and explosiveness he has when he is going downhill than what he is when he is in trail technique and when he is just chasing wide receivers down the field. And to me, that goes into another negative that I wrote about him, which is just when he plays press, the strike timing is off. It's oh, more yeah. hesitant. Not comfortable. He's just not comfortable. And it, Doesn't I, do it. I don't know if it's because he he has not been asked to do it or if it's the, he's just super uncomfortable with it because i think that exactly that that goes exactly into why he is also hesitant and not nearly as confident when he is turning to run down the field and chasing guys and trail technique so that's something that i think is an issue i also felt like there were a couple of times where he was a little bit too over aggressive to go downhill. And when I saw him get hit with double moves, he normally bit on them pretty badly. Like he was normally getting beat with double moves on the, I think I probably saw four or five throughout the two years of tape that I had watched on him. Not that I watched every game, but you know, I'm watching five or six games of these guys. And I think I saw four or five double moves. And I think he got beat on almost all of them. So a little over aggressive to trigger downhill, which makes sense for an off coverage corner. You know, you, that's the thing that you're watching for a lot. He's just susceptible to it. And then I did feel as though when he could not have his eyes on the players in his zone, sometimes he panicked a little bit. You could see like his head's going like left and right. Like he's trying to find where these guys are at. And I think that's just more of a experience and comfortability thing, but there's so much to love about this player. Ultimately, this was my bottom line part of my scouting report that I have for him. Mitchell has some of the best P Mitchell has some of the best advanced coverage metrics the PFF has ever recorded in a two-year sample size. He has the ability, he has all the ability in the world to be a CB1 at the next level, but his lack of experience in press could limit him from being a unanimous first-round pick on every single team's board. There's going to be some teams that look at Quinion Mitchell and say, I'd take this guy in the top 15. There, there will be teams in the NFL that would take Quinion Mitchell in the top 15. And there's others who are maybe much more press-reliant in their scheme who would think, okay, late first, early second, something like that. But the dude is extremely talented. 
and really is just, I think, experience and press away from being a, a really, really damn good all around football player at the next level. I definitely agree with you. I think he's going to be that guy that prepare for him to go off the board early for better or for worse. Yeah. Cause it only takes one, right? Right. And he just has traits and aspects that coaches will want to see. Well, what if we do unlock the rest with him? Then we have a number one corner. Yeah. I know they're, go- I know they're going through a coaching change, but like Vegas at 13, probably where it starts. Right, right. I feel the like problem that's is where it starts. And so you had him at five, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we still got four more corners to go. We do, we do, and they're fun players. We're gonna, so we're gonna get to, into that top five. We're obviously gonna get into some slot guys as well. Before we do that, if you got a family, then you got then you need to get them term life insurance to protect them. That should be your early goal here in 2024. It's one of the smartest financial decisions that you can make, and the start of the new year is perfect to get that done so you can focus on whatever else the year has in store for you fabric it was designed by parents for parents to help you get high quality surprisingly affordable term life insurance policies in less than 10 minutes they got flexible policies that'll fit your family's budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day you can get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply whenever it is convenient for you all online and to your schedule you can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required you can join the thousands of parents who trust fabric today to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash stock exchange. That is meetfabric, M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash stock exchange, M-E-A-T fabric. Probably take you to a different website, so don't want to be doing that. Actually, no, it's a redirect to the show. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. We got a five. TJ Tampa. Oh, yeah, yeah, Okay, we already <laughs> went with that. All right, all right. Who you got a four? Kool-Aid McKinstry. All right, so do I. Okay, that's no fun. I mean, I don't know how much of this is going to be fun. Different. <laughs> well, whoa, 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 hold on. We don't well, play We always have fun. We always have fun. We're going to have fun. Mysterious. There's going to be a pizza party at the end. You guys got to stick yeah, around you got to stay. That, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much variance we're going to get in the corners here with uh, both of us having Kool-Aid here at number four. You know what it is with Kool-Aid? If you watch the summer scouting, he's probably the only guy I'll say this about. And this is not an insult. He's the same exact guy, Trevor. He's the same exact guy. Which is, my a, which is uh, you know, first I had him in the first round. Back over in the summer. first round player. Yes. Yes. 6'1", 195. If you are a team that likes to play press, this is your guy. Yes. Right here. Yes. I mean, 299 snaps in press in 2022, 237 in 2023. And it's one thing to talk about a guy having experience. It's another to just say he's flat out good at it. He's flat out good at it. I see straight line speed to run vertically with wide receivers when he needs to open up. It's a two-year starter. Uh, This year, broke up seven passes. Didn't have an interception, but here's the reality. Nobody had any interest in going after him. I mean, really, it's probably part of the reason a guy like Teron Arnold, who we're going to get to in a second, had such a big year because Kool-Aid wasn't really challenged. He, he wasn't. He had, he, had, he, had, he had 84 passes thrown at him in 2022, 43 this past year. Dude, it's insane. <laughs> he just did not throw. They, they didn't throw, didn't throw at him. his way. Yeah, right. And some of those throws at him were not real challenges. It was like, yeah, I got to get the ball out, but. Uh, the initial jam at the line of scrimmage, 
is effective. He knows where to throw his hands, how to use them, when to throw them. But that hand placement is very, very important. He's got long enough arms that when he gets challenged underneath or on those slants, crossers, um, comebacks, he chops the ball over the top. I, I wrote this over summer and I, I see it again. He is so competitive in the red zone. It just, there's a notch that goes up. It's like a seven to a nine and a half when they get in the red area where it's like, okay, like I'm not going to be on the highlight reel on social media. That's what it looks like with him. And I love that attitude. You don't want to be the dude giving up touchdowns. He takes that personal against screens and those little dump offs to the running backs. Like he's coming downhill like a safety. Hmm. I mean, he's looking to knock your head off. I thought the tape against the LSU wide receivers was really competitive. He knew that it's it's Malik Neighbors, it's Brian Thomas Jr. They got all this talent. I, I'm going to bring my A game today. And we talked about this over summer in 2022. He averaged six, almost 16 yards per punt return. So there's special teams uh, versatility here. Some questions or, or negatives. He's another guy. He gets, he gets grabby in the intermediate. He yeah. lunges a little bit. He's... Yep. He's got that Joey Porter Jr. in him, right? Where, and this happened to Porter Jr. His final year of college. After that first game where he was targeted 12 times or whatever it was, nobody really challenged him the rest of the way. Very grabby, very physical on film. The one guy that I saw gave him a problem, and I think it was the long speed, was A.D. Mitchell. A.D. Mitchell was Kool-Aid's kryptonite. Uh, the last and some thing, and some a worthy too in 2022. Right. What do they have in common? Those guys can run like the wind. Right. Correct. Correct. So that will be a question with Kool Aid, and it's honestly why Kool Aid is sitting here at four as a first round prospect and not in the top three for me. I think his floor as a player is so high <laughs> i do too man he, how good does that feel to say about a corner uh, dude so uh, look the my the first sentence of kind of like my summary of him is mckintry plays one of the most difficult positions in the game with so much poison production like it should he, there's no panic he plays press man coverage and the dude never panics he's it, mr do your job in correct this group. correct i i also have this in his in his scouting report that i wrote to give you a glimpse of how talented and smart McKinstry is, he started as a true freshman in a Nick Saban defense. He started as a true freshman for Nick Saban in the, in the era where Nick Saban could basically get whatever corner he wanted in the country. And Lord knows there were upperclassmen that had probably been there a couple of years that probably earned those spots from all the reps that they had put in. And he had to put McKinstry in the game because he was he's that cool, calm, and confident. He he does it you know, unlike some of the other corners that we have talked about who are a lot of who do a lot of off coverage stuff. McKintry, to your point, press man type of corner. He is somebody who will play up at the line of scrimmage. And what I love about him is he is so comfortable with his back to the ball. A lot of these guys panic, you know, when they get beat, which happens. You know, like it, there's, there's, there's a reason why trail technique is a thing. Because when you are on the line of scrimmage, Wide receivers, they're going to hit you with a nice relief. Sometimes they're going to get even with you. You don't want them to gain too much ground on you. But if you stay a step behind them, 
That doesn't necessarily mean you are beat. You are keeping even with them. You are keeping in phase, if you will. And then you are trying to watch their body language. You're trying to watch their eyes, their arms, their hands, everything, to when you have to understand when the ball is coming in. And even if you can't see it behind you, that's when you get your hand in there. That's when you break things up. And it, it, it is such an art form to not panic when a guy has a step on you and is running vertical up the field. Because you know if you give up that catch, what happens? His touchdown is six. Like you said, you can put on a highlight reel. McKintree just never panics in those situations. No. I am worried about overall elite athleticism. I think he is plenty adequate of an athlete to be a CB2 at worst at the NFL level. I think that is that, that we, we could check those boxes. But the other three guys that we're going to talk about a little bit higher, they have higher athletic scores. And I think that long speed – can sometimes be an issue for McKinstry. Uh, I think sometimes quickness can be as well, though he mitigates that a little bit better with how he's able to be subtly physical with them, how he can anticipate. So you don't see that exposed as much. But the long speed, I think, is an issue at times uh, against some of those elite speed players, which, look, who are you going to face in the NFL? You're going to face guys who are fast. And I think the other thing about him is, Cameron, if you mentioned this, he does not attack the ball as much as I would want him to do. He seems very comfortable breaking up the pass. And obviously yep. breaking up the pass is great. But there were times when I watched him over the last couple of years where I said, you could get your head around here. And he just, he doesn't, he doesn't want to do it. I, I would love to see him be a little bit more aggressive for turnovers. Cause I think he has the ability to do so to just, Wrap it, wrap it up with with more of kind of what I said. Uh, McKinstry plays one of the most difficult positions in the game with so much poise and production. He might not be an elite athlete, but he is one of the smartest cornerback prospects you will find. He is the type of player that you draft in the first round who could play any type of defensive scheme, and I really believe that. He's got great coverage scores ac- across the board in those advanced PS- PFF metrics that I mentioned. He had a 90.4 outside coverage grade uh, over the last two years. And then when it comes to single coverage, clean pocket, long time to throw, all of that is in the 80s. His forcing completion percentage was right there with Quinion Mitchell's. In fact, Quinion Mitchell was the only corner in the country over the last two years who had more uh, forcing completions than McKinstry did. That's just because he is always there. He is always in the in the wide receiver's hip pocket. So the athleticism, like how he tested the combine, could be what holds the key to him going top 15 being in that mix with some of these other greater athletes that we're going to talk about here. But overall, it is so hard to find a corner that you say has a high floor. And McKinstry has an extremely high floor. That's the thing with him. It's He's a comfortable starter to me. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you can't say that about a lot of corners. The the potential for miss rate is just so wildly high at this position. And I'm not worried about this, dude. I'm not worried about him either. All right, so number three for me is Terion Arnold, his teammate. Same. Yeah. We have the same top four. We do. We do. We do. You know what, though? I'll say this. I think that won't be consensus. I think you and I just view this class the same. I don't. I think a lot of people will have different thoughts. We'll I get agree. it. We'll get we'll get there. Do you see? Uh, do you see Jeremiah? On Twitter, said that he thinks he has Arnold number. Like it seemed like he competently has him number one. He said he. I don't know if he said for sure he was a top corner, but he said a top ten pick. 
I mean, so, if there's two corners that are projected to go in the top 10 in this draft, I've missed the boat on that. Maybe. I mean, nothing should shock us anymore. This time last year, not everybody thought Witherspoon would go top 10. So That's why they got to listen to the pod. Well, that's a good point. You know, that's, why, that's, why, that's why you guys are here, you know what I'm saying? So, so Terion Arnold, who is clearly very well liked by the NFL, right? I think we could say that. I love his potential, which you should. Right. You should. I mean, this is a redshirt sophomore that just had a magnificent year in Alabama's defense. Six feet tall, 196, finished the year with five picks and 12 pass breakups on 79 catchable targets. So all those targets that went Kool-Aid's way in 2022 mm-hmm. shifted to Arnold to this year. Yep. He started seven games in 2022, then all of 2023. Trevor, he turns 21 just five weeks before the draft. Very young talent. Right here. Hasn't even had a beer yet. Imagine. Has never tasted a beer. Damn. I could not imagine. (laughs) Big time safety recruit coming out of high school. Smooth moving athlete. Mm -hmm. Adequate size to play outside, but has inside versatility. Over 400 total snaps in the slot, but played over 1,000 outside in 2023. Over 300 snaps in press coverage over the last two seasons. I think he looks comfortable lining up in man and utilizing that athleticism and physicality, although he did grade out higher in zone. Uh, aggressive and fast when coming downhill. Yes. It, right? If, the, if he needs to come up and make a tackle or he needs to come up and make a play on the ball or the ball is coming to a receiver, he's just aggressive and lightning quick heading downhill. This guy should be a really good tester, in my opinion. I, I think he's going to be... Uh, a really good tester. I like his vision against crossing routes at times. I saw sometimes where he saw it before the play and picked it up or passed it off the right way. Some negatives. The interceptions in 2023, he had some good luck to get to five. I, I, it's it, One was off a tip pass. Two were off of Hail Mary end of quarter situations. So it's nice that he had five picks. I thought two of them were real ball hawking plays. I thought the other ones were a little bit of luck that went his way. It's okay. I think he's more of an athlete in coverage right now than a guy anticipating throws and route combinations consistently. I would agree. So almost picture everything we said about Kamari Laster the other way. <laughs> it's it's really fascinating to watch how guys play this position. Yeah. He's but out it, there. Right. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I, no, I was just about to say, but that's why DJ has him CB1. Because you can see. Because. Yeah. The raw ability for this dude is nuts. It's different. It's you different. talked about the click and close ability, how he can turn and run. I mean, the the I, he is so explosive. He is so smooth. He can keep up with anybody deep down the field. He can close so quickly on you. And when he plays in the slot, he shows that, all right, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be patient. Okay, you're going to left. Boom, I'm going to left with you. I'm in your hip pocket. Like, there's just not a lot of corners who move the way that he does. Now, Yep. I don't, I don't think the footwork is perfect. No. Right? Like, I, I think that sometimes he'll, like, stumble or get off balance. He's not as controlled as he needs to be there. But, again, control of the footwork, recognition. Yeah, sometimes when he gets fooled, he gets yep. a little too grabby. That's when we saw the penalties show up with him. But, oh, like, all of that shit is teachable. Like, all of that is extremely cor- correctable, especially for a redshirt sophomore 20-year-old that That's we just watched this right? Yes. So, if you believe in the best of Terry on Arnold, if you put him at CB1 and you tell me he's going to get better at all this stuff, I'm going to go, okay, sure, CB1. <laughs> yeah. Like, what am, what am I going to say? So, 
I, uh, I, yeah, I, I just wanted to kind of piggyback off that because I, I agree with your assessment completely. Of, well, this is a good time to remind our audience that the NFL is in this process, probably even more than you and I, although we've probably grown this way over the years, but not we're not there yet, is a projection business like no other. They will swing big and be willing to miss big when the potential end results are special. And there is no denying that the potential end results with Teron Arnold are special. I agree completely. The NFL loves the what if. They love to be able to say what if. I don't want to say the word they they hate this, but we have this we have this conversation with quarterbacks all the time. I don't think Michael Penix is going to get picked nearly as highly as maybe he should, and yep. it doesn't have anything to do with his ability. It's the fact that you basically have to look at him and go, "Okay, what you see is what you get." And right. what we've seen is good. <laughs> Right. But the fact that we say that out loud, what we see is what we get. The NFL kind of views that as like, ah, eh, you know, I don't want any of this. That could happen he, to Penix. That could happen to Bo Nix. Well, like a right. guy like McCarthy could go ahead of them for the opposite reasons. And that's and that's exactly my point. Yes. McCarthy, who has objectively worse tape than Michael Penix and Bo Nix, could get drafted ahead of them because he is younger. He still has those tools. And the NFL can tell themselves – Oh, but what if? What like if he's so young? Like, look at what he could develop into. And I think that gets a little overblown for a lot of this stuff. But it can, getting back, yeah. Getting back to the Terry on Arnold conversation, redshirt sophomore, 20 years old, crazy athlete. He is actually he actually originally wanted to play both basketball and football at Alabama. When he came when he came to Alabama, he he tried to play on the basketball team. I think he had talked with them about it and he talked with Nate Oates, their 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 basketball coach, and it was kind of like a yeah, I mean, if you can swing it, and he ended up not being able to do that, so he committed to football. But him, like Keon Coleman, was he was good enough to be able to play D1 in both sports, which just goes to show you kind of a nuts athlete. I mean, that's insane when you think about that. Yeah. At a program like Alabama. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, look, I, I was a dual athlete in both beer pong and beer die. When I was at Florida. And it's hard to keep up with both. And, you know, that's the thing. Is it eventually both? Going eventually, to class. I did. I had to give one up. Uh, and it was it was tough, man. It was tough. But I still play, you know, Dual I still play athlete. I still play pickup beer die all the time. You I, know, I can go down to the Y and, and do that. So it's, it's doing two things at once in college is hard. I used to get hammered on Friday and then try to wake up before one o'clock <laughs> to play volleyball. So... <laughs> And you didn't even have Publix chicken tender subs to revive you. Too. No, I'd That's have to go tough. get some shitty sandwich and then grab the wake up the rest of the dudes and be like, all right, we got to go play volleyball. We got to do something today or pick up <laughs> basketball or whatever. We can get our hands on it. Albany, if it wasn't zero degrees. <laughs> Still sport athleting, folks. It's hard here. Yeah, from us. Yeah. Uh, before we move off of Arnold, just the, the the summary of my little scouting report that I have for him right now. Arnold isn't the most polished cornerback in this class, but he is a high percentile athletic but he has high percentile athletic abilities. And that means he has a high ceiling as any corner in this draft in, in a man or zone system. So that's what we're talking about here. Some people are going to believe in the ceiling of this dude. And that could be as high as top 10 overall. That's what it comes down to. I I think, Ooh, I'll put you on the spot here. Okay. You think he's the first corner taken? I do. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I, lo- I love when you have a hard stance on something. 
Yeah, I love uh, I love when conviction shows up in the show. It's either him. I think it was the delay that made that that much better. I think it's either him or the guy that we're about to talk about that uh, yeah. I think you have a CB2. Nate Wiggins? Nate Wiggins. I'll let you take this one away because I, I sucked up all the breadcrumbs on Arnold. So I think that one of these two guys is going to be the top cornerback off the board. Even though you and I don't have them as CB1, I think the allurement of these players and kind of just like the crazy twitchy athletes that they are, somebody's going to absolutely love it. And, and somebody could absolutely love the guy we have at number one. We'll get into that in a second. So Nate Wiggins, Clemson, junior, true junior. Six foot two, 185 pounds. So he's got the length, he's got the size, he's got those long arms, but he is a little bit slender. And that kind of plays into his strengths and weaknesses, right? The slender build, it'll show up in how he takes on blocks, it shows up in his uh, effectiveness and run defense, and how he's able to tackle, like all of that. I think those things definitely play into who he is overall as a prospect, ultimately, why he is below the guy that I have at CB1. But when it comes to, and I've said this before, one cornerback in this class who you want to say, go make sure that guy does not catch the football. He might be the the most ideal player in this class. He really might. When it comes to just like coverage potential, the fluidity, the length, the overall explosiveness, I mean, this dude really does have it all. So he was a four-star wide receiver prospect from Atlanta, Georgia, played both wide receiver and corner, um, but he was primarily recruited as a cornerback, he saw some playing time his freshman year, but I read about this. He was kind of, he kind of had some struggles with playing time where when he was out there, he looked really good. And I genuinely remember seeing him his true freshman season. And I always have my mind towards an NFL draft um, focus. And so I remember watching him three years ago and I'm like, okay, who is number 20? Who is this? Is he draft eligible? Who is this person? I need yeah. to get him on my radar immediately. And it was Wiggins. And he wasn't. Obviously, he was just a true freshman at the time, but he was on and off the field, didn't get a ton of playing time. Dabo Sweeney himself said that there was some immaturity, I believe was the word that he used when Wiggins was not really getting the playoff time, sorry, playing time that his talent deserved. And he has since praised how Wiggins has grown as a player, as a person, as a man, as somebody who handles their business on and off the field, his dedication to his craft, all of that, which has turned him into just a fantastic corner, man. I think that he has a true rare combination of smooth yet explosive movements. Normally you got to sacrifice one or the other, right? Normally you got to be either you're twitchy or you're somebody who's got great smooth buildup speed. It's very rare that you can have a combination of both. He has the former wide receiver background, so he's got those ball skills. The feet are super light, quick, controlled, especially for a player who is more high-waisted, who is six foot two. Uh, the PFF coverage stats, basically 80s across the board. Coverage rolls and outside corner, single coverage assignments, clean pocket, time to throw, all of that is in the 80s. Uh, the forced incompletion percentage, 15.7, that's in the 82nd percentile. This dude is just a perfect blend of what you want from a movement perspective, to mirror any type of wide receiver running any route in press or off coverage. I just think he is the total package. He's a first-round pick. There's no question about it. And the only reason why he's not CB1 on this list is because that lower weight profile, that more slender build, does show up when he is getting hands-on receivers, when he's hand-fighting, but most importantly, getting off blocks and being more reliable when it comes to run defense. He got better this year, but still you can see those physical limitations. So that's what I think 
overall of Nate Wiggins. Man, I'm with you. I mean, there is so much to love about his game. He's going to, I mean, I'm assuming he's going to test well because he plays like a high-end athlete on the field. He's tall. I, I've heard a little that his arms won't be amongst the higher-end guys in this class in terms of arm length, but I think he plays with good length. So even if the arm length isn't on the higher end, I think he plays with good length, and that's an important distinction to make. This is someone that has put back-to-back seasons of really high-end tape in the ACC. Mm-hmm. He's found the ball. He brought uh, he brought an interception back for a touchdown this year. He forced two fumbles. That play, Trevor, that we've talked about of him chasing the guy all the way down and, and stripping the ball at the one-yard line is one of the best prospect plays of the year. Omari and Hampton. And I think yeah. he did it twice. I think he's done that Dude. twice before. So I, I read that he reached, because you know how they have those, those speed tracking things on these dudes now? He reached 22.6 miles an hour on that chase down from behind to force that fumble of, uh, of Omari and Hampton, the UNC the uh, running back. Just wild effort, wild athletic ability to be able to make that play. And I think that's something that teams are going to point to time and time again when justifying him as a top 15 pick. Did you get into the age thing with him? I might have missed that. No, I he doesn't turn 21 until the end of his first NFL training camp. Oh, yeah, he's super young. End of August. So this is a true 21, 20 year old prospect mm. all the way throughout his first training camp. So he's a Taurus. There you go. Sure. I have no I have no idea. I actually have zero idea. <laughs> I'm going to start what doing that every time you name a birthday. Start. I'm just going to be like, oh, he's a Leo and just be like, oh, that could I could have seen that coming. Taurus or April 20th to May 20th. So really we close. We really do need um, horoscope scouting. We do need horoscope scouting. It makes you think like what is the highest? Maybe hit, our job is way easier than we're making it. That would be something this whole time. <laughs> this whole time, Scorpios are the best players in the NFL. <laughs> but if we just no, 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 it's like positions like Aries uh, are the best running backs, you know what I'm saying? Or like whatever it is. Quarterback is this will go into quarterback evaluation before. you. If know we it. figure this out, if we crack this code, we're not telling a soul. No, we sell our scouting services. We don't tell people, hey, here's our highest graded guys. And they're like, why do you have this guy graded so high? And we're like, we run data differently than a lot of other companies. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then we're cashing out when every prospect hits. It's to be honest, something here. I'm glad that you are. and I I'm glad that you and I are talking about this idea in on a private forum where yeah, no one, no one will hear it. <laughs> yes, on a private phone call that's not wiretapped. <laughs> oh man. He picked off Drake May. Um because he he just he has explosive acceleration and can jump throws with explosive acceleration. And that was how he had a pick against May. 44.1 passer rating when targeted this year. I mean, all the way down from 74.8 the previous year. He plays big in big games. I, you see the performances against UNC. He's a really big time player and he's still yep. learning how to press. Uh, I think sometimes his run defense lacks urgency and aggressiveness. But At 20, I thought 2022 for sure. I thought he was right. I think it grew. I think it grew. Hey, he's a really good player. Like, he's a top 20 pick for me and legitimate corner of one upside. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's he is. I think he's he's an absolute stud. All right, so that leaves us with our unanimous. Did not think that this was going to be the case, but I mean, unanimous CB1 here for the early corner rankings here on NFLSC. It is Iowa's Cooper DeGene, junior cornerback 
Six foot one, 207 pounds healthy young man, to quote Benjamin Solak. There's a lot to like about this dude, Connor. You tell me why you got him in CB1. Well, he was my number one corner over summer. And so you're stubborn. So I'm stubborn. Yeah. yeah. That's number one. Yeah. But everything with Cooper DeGene from summer for people that liked him or didn't like him, whatever it may be, was, well, is he really a corner? And the answer is yes, he's really a corner. He's 6'1", 207 pounds. He, I mean, we could, we'll do the background again because it's really important. It's a two-year starter at corner with seven picks over his last two seasons and 13 more pass breakups. When he was in high school, he threw for over 3,400 yards and 35 touchdowns while rushing for over 1,200 yards and 24 <laughs> touchdowns his senior year at quarterback. Okay. Long jump and 100 meter state champion in high school. Yeah. Basketball highlights are just insane. This is a super freak show. Super freak show. This is not. Did you say his 100 meter dash time? I didn't say the time. I just said he was a state champion. 11 1 6. I mean, stupid. So, not as stupid as Quinn Mitchell, but still. No, but still. So for you to be a high schooler and be running near 11 flat, 100 meter dash, ridiculous absolutely insane i mean this man he's a corner he's every bit of the size and athlete of a corner and snap count changed this year so 2022 he was mr you know versatility 29 on the line of scrimmage 89 in the box 137 in the slot 543 outside special teams demon he played over 150 special team snaps that year mm -hmm. this year only 27 on the line of scrimmage, 22 in the box, 23 in the slot, over 600 at outside corner. He was a true outside corner this year. He's making a statement. Making a statement that, hey, I'm a, I'm a corner. Yeah, they said they saw the Rashad Bennett Hall tweet, and they're like, yeah, we need we need somebody out here. I mean, we're starving. <laughs> we're starving. You got a job. You get drafted in the NFL. You're the number one guy. There's no one else. You and uh, Riley. Uh, and Riley Moss. Riley they were Moss. teammates. <laughs> yeah. And and the corpse of Jason Seahorn. That's all we got. We don't got anything else. <laughs> oh man, that that's too much disrespect to Jason Seahorn. He's only fifty two. But <laughs> fifty two year old Jason Seahorn's the best. He's our white slot corner still. He's our slot corner. Oh man, so, <laughs> that's a really good uh, good headline. Did Rashad Mendenhall's tweet inspire higher outside corner snap count for Cooper DeGene? <laughs> Click. All right. Three pick sixes in 2022. Trevor, the body control and receiver level hands of Cooper DeGene is insane. Mm -hmm. Some of the picks you watch, you're like, it was he the receiver toe tapping? Yep. And, and they play him on offense. They've played him on offense before. So keep that in mind as well incredible eyes quick trigger in zone he just reads everything jumps everything anticipates routes when he comes to the catch point it's a war it's not ah maybe i'll grab the ball or maybe i'll dislodge the ball it's i'm i'm gonna try to punch the ball punch you like clean timing everything is just physical mm -hmm. it is a safety mindset at corner uh, he could peel off an assignment in zone and play another guy. That's what the great ones really do in zone. Yep. He's got eight TFLs in the last two years. Big time run defender. He brought a punt for it back for a touchdown this year. I, this dude's he's 
he is freakish. You put him in the secondary with a DC that wants to run a lot of different coverages and have our DBs be stout against the run and honestly take away the like that take away the football mindset I fall in love with. And Cooper DeGene has mastered that. He he's he is such a incredible all around athlete. I mean, you you talked about some of it with his background, and we mentioned. NFL teams love when guys are multi-sport athletes, but it's not just that this guy is a multi-sport athlete. Like he's an extremely successful multi-sport athlete. You mentioned the state championship in both the long jump and the hundred meter dash. He is a, he, he did not just participate in track, right? Sometimes when you go to guys bios on the school website, you'll see like, Oh, what did they do in high school? Like, Oh, also ran track. No, this guy didn't also run track. This guy was a state champion, long jumper and hundred meter dash run. So this dude was a state championship caliber track and field player. Um, he has two state championships in, in football. And you mentioned he played wide receiver. He played defensive back. He played quarterback. He did it all. In basketball, his 1,832 career points are 55 more than Sacramento Kings Harrison Barnes on the all-time scoring list, on the state's all-time scoring list. So again, like – this dude like didn't just like oh he dabbled in basketball he's on the state record list oh oh by the way he also played three years of varsity baseball probably just because because he wanted to do it because he probably throws ninety eight miles an hour yeah dude probably guy probably throws gas like left handed he's he's it's yeah whatever so this is this is all what makes him just such a natural athlete and all of these things matter not just because we want to gas up his high school accomplishments but because of what Connor said. You literally see all this natural athleticism on the football field. He is one of the most natural athletes that you're going to find in this entire class. Not just a corner, not just in the secondary. He, he's one of the most natural football players that you're going to find. Iowa plays him in off coverage a lot. And for a guy who's six foot one, 207 pounds, I wish he had more snaps in press. He's only played 199 snaps in press over the last two years. That's less than 25% of his total coverage snaps. But they play him in off coverage, and it's almost like, okay, can you blame him? It's kind of like the Quinion Mitchell thing, but with even more success when it comes to interceptions. This guy plays off coverage. He reads where wide receivers are going to go because he's played wide receiver before. He knows how to break on it. He's got a phenomenal footwork. I mean, the footwork for being six foot one, 207 pounds is wild. How he flips right. his hips, how controlled he is. Because that, look, you're going to hear people have the conversation okay, what is Cooper DeGene? Is he a safety? Is he a corner? Is he a slot player? What is he? I think he, I, I am firmly in the camp that this dude's a corner. He's going to be a damn good one. And what tells me that above the other positions is because one, if you're a shutdown corner, you're more valuable than you are at those other positions. So you're going to play him at corner anyways, because if he hits, it's better, it's more advantageous for your team Two, he has the footwork to be able to play corner. He's controlled. He's fluid. He knows how to stop on a dime. Like and why wouldn't all, you want him at corner? Correct. If, if you could, if you can succeed there, you got to play him there. It's almost like the offensive tackle, offensive guard thing. If this guy can succeed at tackle, play him at tackle. It's more advantageous for you if he hits. So that's sort of the conversation that we have about him. He's just he's so smart at how he goes about things. The high football IQ, the instincts, the ball skills, and then on top of all of that, he is without question the best run defending corner in this class best run defending corner. I mean, Witherspoon was pretty silly. 
He and Witherspoon was great, but but when you think of Dejean, like Witherspoon had to overcome some size deficiencies, yes. right? Like Witherspoon yes. was with now pound for pound, Witherspoon was strong, but he still kind of had to put everything into it to come down with you know wrap up tackles. Dejean's seven, yeah. Dejean's getting off blocks. Dejean's wrapping you up. He's not missing tackles. His arms aren't too short. He doesn't. He's not lacking in power. He's not lacking in density. Just it, he across the board, man. There's not much else that you could ask in this guy. My bottom line scouting report for him is the talk of Dejean playing corner or safety or slot at the next level is not due to a lack of home position like it can be for other players. It is because he can truly be an impact player at all of them. His footwork and his ball skills and his explosive athleticism are good enough to yield an impact outside cornerback and one that has all pro potential. So I gave him the potential all pro label because that's big time. I couldn't not. Special teams experience, wide receiver experience, quarterback experience, slot experience, linebacker experience, safety experience, and then outside cornerback experience. The only thing this dude is really lacking is he just doesn't play a lot of press. And then, you know, you can certainly point to reps where he flips his hips a little bit slower than guys who are 5'10", 190. Right, he's he's big dude. Because he's 6'1", 207. And you got to go, okay, if I love the run defense stuff, I'm going to live with that. And I think that I'm more than okay living with that. So I got him. That's why I got him a CB1. I'm with you all the way. Great player. All right. So uh, we're going to run through our slot corners. Before we get to that, I got to tell you guys about our friends over at Price Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Easily the most exciting way to play DFS. You just pick the numbers more, less. It's that easy, folks. Instead of batting, battling against thousands of players including pros and sharks you just pick more or less on two to six player stat projections and then you just watch the winnings roll in eli's back with a vengeance this week his uh three player grouping that he has here christian mccaffrey over just a half rushing or receiving tv so if mccaffrey gets in the end zone that's one easy dalton kincaid more than 39 and a half receiving yards okay i like that too josh allen more than 43 and a half rushing yards eli you might have cooked here. He might have cooked. I like this one a lot. There's all sorts of flexibility that you could have with not just football, any sport. Go to pricepicks.com backslash NFLSE. Check it out. Use the promo code NFLSE and get a first deposit match up to $100. It's a free $100 to play with, guys. Go to pricepicks.com backslash NFLSE. Use the promo code NFLSE. First deposit match up to $100. And if yours hits before Eli does, you can tweet at him and make him feel bad about it. All right, uh, slot. Let's... Let's list off our four slot players. Yeah, because we're because we're running we're running kind of long in this episode now. Um, and then we could talk about we could just kind of give some points on uh, on all four of them. So, give me your four to one. Who you got in the slot? All right, number four, somebody that could be evaluated as an outside corner. I have him playing slot. Chris Abrams Drain. Okay, Missouri. Interesting player, Jerrion Jones. From Florida State at number nice. three. Nice. Tyke Smith from Georgia at number two. Nice. And Mike Sanristil from Michigan at number no one. No question. Number Whoa. one. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Mikey can play, man. Mikey. Mikey. And that is how he, I'm pretty sure that's what he goes by, right? Does he go by Mikey? Michigan's, Michigan's player profile page. Shout out to Michigan, who is elevated the game they have a soundcloud click for pronunciations 
Oh, thank yes. And he introduces himself as Mikey Sanderson. All right, there we go. I didn't even know I mean, that. do you want to start? Well, I want to hear yours, and then we can talk about all these guys as a group. Okay, so the guy I had at five, he was right outside of this list. Four. One that I really like. Oh, and my- outside of – okay, so I had I, – I, I want to do the same. Outside – right outside the list, I had uh, Shaw Smith-Wade from Washington okay, State. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got him a little bit further down. He's just a little bit smaller, but, dude, he's super feisty. That's a slot, like dude. Right, right, right. So I got Max Melton, my boy. Somebody who I was very high on going into the season. And I still really like him. You know, he is, okay, what is he? Is he an outside corner? Is he inside corner? Right. Sometimes I think he struggles a little bit with the vertical long speed. So I wonder if you're going to want him on the outside a lot where I think he's very controlled. I think he's very savvy. He's not super quick twitch, but I think he could be really smart in the slot facing those two-way goes. So I got him at five. He just missed the list. Johnny Dixon from Penn State. He's another dude who played on the outside who I just think because of his size. I mean, he's six foot 195, but I think he's a little bit lighter than 195. I just love his movement skills. Like I, 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 when I see him, he's more twitchy than he has that long speed. So he's quicker than he is fast. I think that translates a little bit better, more towards the inside. I got Tyke Smith from Georgia at three. I got Jerry and Jones too. Okay. And then of course, uh, Mikey Sanders still the goat slot at number one. So yeah, where do you want to start? I- I'll go through him quickly. Well, Abram Strain, over three seasons, he's got 484 snaps in the slot and then over 1,300 at outside corner. He's played a little box safety and free safety and every form of special teams. I mean, the dude, just he just constantly plays. Full-time, I like him in the slot at the NFL level. 5'11", 178, a smaller guy, twitchy, competitive, good return man. He's returned both a kick and a punt for a touchdown, plus acceleration, smart and sound wrap-up tackler, He's given up a lot of touchdowns over the last two years. Teams just go after his lack of size in the end zone. He's a smaller player that can get bumped around. Uh, He loses at the catch point when he's even in really good position on the outside. So I think a lot of his issues can be corrected by moving into the slot with that twitch and competitive nature and playing special teams. And then Jerry and Jones and Tyke Smith are just... Man, they are sticky. They are physical. They are obnoxious. They are Jones, constantly on you. Jones yeah, is go so ahead. smart, man. Jones has maybe the most statistically impressive season for a corner this season. Dude, he is awesome. I didn't really, he was not really high on my radar. No, I mean, even, even like a month ago. And then it was like, okay, people were like, you got to watch Jerry Jones. I'm like, all right. So, redshirt senior from Florida State. Yeah, you know, he's yeah. got a good size for a slot corner. He's he six does. feet tall, 190. He also has a little bit of some long speed concerns, but the thing I loved about Jones is he constantly put himself between his man and the ball. Always. Constantly. He just, he played with such great leverage. And even if you're not the greatest athlete in the slot, like if you can consistently play with great leverage and take things away and stay between where the ball is and your guy is, man, that's, very valuable. And he did that so successfully. That's that's why I had him at, at number two. Yeah, 25.3 passer rating when targeted this year. It's just silly, like insanity. Um, and then Tyke Smith, another guy that just he I'm pulling up my notes on him. Uh, uh go ahead. I was gonna say I like Tyke a lot. He is he is like a he's like a power slot it's defender. Like a fire hydrant. Yeah. So He's one of those like safety nickel corner kind of hybrid players. I see him more of a nickel at the next level than I do as a safety because Georgia opted to play Javon Bullard at safety right. instead of T- 
Tyke Smith. And I think there's just some overall athletic concerns with him where he's not the most top tier athlete, but Smith for Georgia specifically plays that star linebacker position where you're a hybrid between the will linebacker and also a nickel defender. So they play him near the line of scrimmage a lot and he can take on tight ends. I saw him, I saw him bull rush a Vanderbilt offensive tackle on his ass. And I'm like, okay, we got something here. So if you want a, if, if, if you creep your slot defenders more towards the line of scrimmage, which they did, if you want, I'm saying in the NFL, if you want your slot guy to be more of a, we live in base or we live in, we live in nickel as our base. And we want to make sure that the guy who is playing nickel can almost be a pseudo will linebacker for us. Tyke Smith to me is the player in this class that you would want to be able to do that. He plays with that kind of strength. I, I totally agree. The final one in Sanders still so fascinating converted wide receiver. He moved a corner in 2022. He started eight games for Michigan at wide receiver from 2021 to 2022. Yep. And, or maybe the two years before that, I want to make sure I have that right. Six picks this year. I, I wrote game changing ball Hawk where the former wide receiver ability, I mean, the tracking of the football, he tracks the deep ball better than the guys he's covering half the time. It's wild. The vision and instincts as they as things develop are so, so good. When you look at the bad of him on film, it's when he's asked to play on the outside. He's a menace inside. Takes away the football, runs the routes for wide receivers. He's only getting better. This is a new position to him. He, Trevor, he's a, a, a true slot that's a top 75 pick. I agree 100%. He is... Look, this is this is what I had to say about him in the uh, bottom line part of his scouting report. Sanders still is a player that every NFL team would love to have. He has a great skill set and mentality to be a starting slot cornerback in the NFL or a safety because he has a uh, special teams versatility as well to boot. He should be viewed as one of the top, quote-unquote, football players in this draft, regardless of position. My comp for him is Kenny Moore. I would take him in the second round. Like, there are not many... I like that comp. There are not many slot corners slot only corners that i would tell you are worth second round picks mike samra still is he is yep. he'll be a stud for you on special teams he can play safety he could drop back and play safety for you like i mentioned he'll he'll be a he'll be a stud in, in the slot because i think he reminds me a lot of kenny moore and here's the thing folks if we had a little bit of a longer time to be able to dig into this which i think we will in future episodes Playing in the slot is not just about being more quick twitch, like not having long speed. That is part of it because you have to be able to defend wide receivers that have two-way goes. You're not sure wh- where they're going. You don't have the sideline to help you. So you've got to be able to have very quick feet. you got to be able to click and close. you got to be able to react. The hips have to flip. That's why a lot of smaller players play at, 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 at slot corner. Yeah, you have to be tiny. Just, they, have, they just got less body to move, so they can stick with these wide receivers. But – you got to be able to help and run defense. Yep. And that's sort of where some of these guys a little bit lower on the list for me did not climb above certainly Tyke Smith. He was that floor of, okay, like this dude's a phenomenal run defender. So you got to be as good as him. Well, I don't know about as good as him, but you've just got to be able to tackle. You got to have long enough arms. You got to be strong enough. You got to be dense enough. You got to be reliable in that area. Mike Samra still is. He moves, he catches like a wide receiver. He moves like a corner. 
and he tackles like a safety. It doesn't get better than that as, as a slot. It just doesn't. So I I don't think, well, Brian Branch was kind of like a slot player, and I had him as a first-rounder. So I guess I'm lying when I say it doesn't get much better than this because Brian Branch is kind of that label, and I thought Brian Branch yeah. is a top-20 player. Look at what McDuffie's done, too. But Sam still to me, is a second-round-worthy type of player for what he could do for an NFL team. Everything that he could do. The goal is to draft good football players. And like I said, I don't know how many better football players there are going to be in this draft class than Mikey Sanders still. He's awesome. What a great story. If you see anybody that go, why he's 23, we can't take him early. Like you just missed the entire story. So, all right, there we go. That's our cornerback rankings, early cornerback rankings. Let us know what you thought of the yeah, when guys corners. run a four seven, they they're done. They're out. <laughs> or if they're not a, a Leo or whatever, our horoscope's down. <laughs> really good stuff. Oh, he's a Sagittarius. Get oh. him out of here. Not here. He's not. Let us know what you thought of our horoscope scouting with these cornerbacks, uh, the slot corners, the outside corners, everybody. We would love to hear from you. Best way to do that is in the YouTube comment section, youtube.com backslash at NFL Stock Exchange. If you're on audio only, X or Instagram at Tampa Bay Trey, at Connor J. Rogers is a great way to be able to get into that. Uh, we'll probably have a handful more. Oh, is the handful? I mean, Shrine Bowl is coming up quick, man. We are traveling a lot after next yeah. week. So, <sighs> Connor, do we only have one fixture franchise left? probably i know that hurts to hear for a lot of. i know y'all have been awesome incredible with the suggestions and watching and listening to all those shows they've been you want to do two next week that's up to you we could do two next week but that'll be because then if you haven't heard by now trevor and i are at trevor's at shrine we're both at senior bowl we're Mm -hmm. both at super bowl we're both at combine it's gonna be a little little fast and loose around here I, i i will let the people decide and here's what we're going to do, okay? If if we do two, which I think the people are going to tell us that they want us to do two. Then if we do they? two, one of them will be a team like normal that is kind of like a losing record team, a high draft pick type of a team. The other one, we will do a winning team. We will do the Cowboys or we will do the Eagles or we will do something like that. Like people, I have had so many people message us about taking a success. They're like, you always do the bad teams. They're like, you got to fix the good, like the 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 good teams got to get over the hump. (laughs) Like we got to, we need help. (laughs) That's the whole point of the series, but I get it. I really do get it. I get at least a fix the jets or fix uh, Cowboys and jets. I get at least two or three tweets a week about those two. And then obviously the losing teams. Man, this is we might have to do two. It's either that or what quarterback or quarterback, which is always a whopper. The only thing I'll say about quarterback is an absolute coward. I would really like to see some guys at the senior bowl. Mm, you are a coward i'm but I, but, terrified but, but but you said it not me so yeah. i'm great i'm great <laughs> piggybacking off of that so we get it so we can do quarterbacks after yeah. senior and shrine bowl okay all right because i know people are going to want 10 like yeah we could sit here right now and record the show of the top five right 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 yeah i don't think there's going to be another position you guys can just suggest like you can either vote and say we want another fixture franchise we want two fixture franchises next week or we can do running back 
interior offensive line, interior defensive line, linebacker or safety. Those are the ones that we probably be running back. Probably. I agree. That's probably the one that I would want to do. Me too. But if, you know, if, if the masses are like, you better give us off ball linebacker, brother. I, I have no, no idea why you I guys sound like that. Nobody sounds this. like that anymore. That's not a thing. I did a little cleanse after this cornerback week. Don't get me wrong. There was a lot of good in this group. But man, I need so, I need touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I hate it's such a childish thing to say. But but hey, we let the people decide the show around here. We are absolutely we a democracy of a podcast. Yeah, yeah. We are a dictatorship that fronts as a democracy. That, so you guys get to vote. Unfortunately, how the world works. <laughs> Uh, but enough about the political system. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. We will see you guys with whatever topic you come up with sometime next week.